This episode was brought to you by William Mitchell Audio. Now, if you think there's a single audio production studio or audio engineer in Switzerland that's nearly as good as William Mitchell Audio, then you must be out of your mind. Go to williammitchellaudio.com. My guest today is Ramsey Demeter. Ramsey Demeter is a farmer and survival arts practitioner from the Sierra Nevadas of Northern California. For the past decade, he's trained intensively at the world-famous Tracker Survival School and taught tracking, primitive survival, and nature awareness building practices with some of the best in the field through the nonprofit Four Elements Earth Education. He's lived off the grid, chased bears off his shit, and pooped in numerous holes in the ground. Recently relocated to southeastern Washington State, he now works on a horse-powered veggie farm where he seeks to take his power back by building up local resiliency through producing food. What's up, Ramsey? What's going on, Dad? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. I got a lot of questions for you. Cool. Let's get into uh, it. But honestly, man, I want to jump straight to the question that I think everybody cares the most about. Mm. I'm just going to get right to the meat. Uh, and yeah. that's basically like, you know, cause you're an expert on survival. Uh, and whenever people think about that, they want to know, uh, in a zombie apocalypse, you know what you might do. So zombie apocalypse. So mm. let me give you a, like a scenario <clears throat> and, and then there'll be a question. So you turn on the news and they're reporting that the recently deceased are returning to life and seeking human victims. What is your plan of action? Good God. Um, realistically, I'd probably hole up in the house for a day or two. Um, just kind of getting my bearings, like maybe even freaking out a little bit and then just letting it go, letting it go. Be like, okay. Um, like meditate some maybe. Yeah, meditate. You know, you want to take, you want to, you don't want to panic when you step into that situation. You want to be like, okay, everybody's eating the living. So I just got to bounce and uh, get out of here, um, which you might have to do. But first, I would want to kind of take stock of what I have. I would want to pack a bag for sure. I'd want to make sure that in that bag and what I'm carrying on me, I can cover basic necessities right? Like you can only hold up in the house for so long. Like even if you're super doomsday bunker dude, which also, I am not. Zombies are known to uh, congregate around places where they know there's a living being inside. Oh yeah, for sure. So you got to stay on the move. You got to stay running. Um, well, I'd get a big, you know, um, melee weapon, you know, classically a sweet sword or something like that. A hacking device. Crossbow is awesome too, because you have infinite ammo. Um, but no, you want to make sure that your basics are covered with what you have on your body and also that you can stay relatively mobile, right? I don't want to have a 70-pound backpack that, sure, has everything I need to live for a long time, but uh, I can barely walk with the thing. Honestly, I, I, totally, bicycle, I totally agree with the uh, the melee weapon choice. That's, right, a, that's also right? my choice because guns are going to run out of bullets. Totally. I'm picturing a bicycle, a sword, and a backpack with like some snacks and a sleeping bag and like some extra underwear because you're definitely going to shit your pants, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, you want to make sure that you have some, some basics for, uh, you know, in my, in the lineage of survival that I've been taught, 
um, they talk about the sacred order, and that is shelter, water, fire, and food. Those are the things that we need in order to provide for our basic survival needs. And the cool thing about that is it, uh, it kind of speaks to what I've heard other people call as the rule of threes, right? You have uh, three hours of extreme exposure to extreme temperatures before you might die. You have three days supposedly without water. Um, although if you've gone like a day without water working hard, um, it's pretty rough. And then three days without, or three weeks without food, sorry. And then what do they say? Like three minutes or something without oxygen. And I'm sure there's more threes you could come up with, but shelter, water, fire, food. Make sure that you can provide for those necessities, dude, on your backpack. Especially like, yeah, zombie apocalypse. You want to be mobile. Where are you going to? Uh, you're probably leaving the population centers, right? You want to be where less people are. For sure. And I think that's actually true. In, I have a theory uh, that uh, a lot of kind of collapse situations or doomsday scenarios. But what's up? I was just say I have a theory that that if you head north, like extremely far north, that's uh-huh. where it would be because uh, the zombies would start to freeze. It's so, quite possible, but you wouldn't because you're you know because you're still alive and you still got body heat and uh, you know you can wear like clothing or whatever. But the zombies are going to be exposed to the elements. And because mm-hmm. their blood is still liquid, they would freeze. That's kind of my my take on mm-hmm. which direction you should ha- head. All right, I like it. I like it <laughs> for you know for for North Americans, but you know that's it's different all over the place. Right. What all would right, some of your favorite zombie weapons be? Uh, honestly, man, baseball bat. Oh, nice. With I the nails know. or not? Uh, you mean like like Negan from Walking Dead? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was kind of like a his weapon was kind of shitty that he like put barbed wire around his bat because I was kind of like uh-huh. then you just have to clean that yeah especially it's, gonna uh, it it's like that's really gross stuff right there yeah and then you need a wire brush and then their whole you know mythology the the blood of the zombies is infected with like a bio weapon so you don't want to have like you want to be able to easily clean the blood from your melee weapon not have something that, like uh, that shit yeah good point you. good point. So you put some thought into this, man. Like it. I've put a f- ton of thought into this, man. I'll, like, <laughs> <I've>, <laughs> my answer would have been longer than your answer. Nice. <laughs> uh, what um, would be some essentials you would throw in your backpack as you escape? See, that's the thing is also, I don't know uh, if I'm like super prepared, prepared to be a real survivalist type dude. That's why mm-hmm. I, when, when I brought up Negan, I feel like maybe I would just become like a Negan type dude. <laughs> link up with a lot of people but be kind of like a warlord and just like you know <laughs> the numbers but definitely i, I would want to be the boss don't i don't want to like you know not be the boss fair enough <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like you would be like a daryl and i would be a negan mm, and, mm, and mm. i apologize to anyone listening to this that hasn't seen the show the walking dead but the first couple seasons were good and then it started to get shittier as time went by <laughs> all right man but but back to like some let's get into like some now that you're in the woods and you're surviving sure. let's just say sure. like you've escaped the population centers nice there's, uh there's no zombies on your tail mm-hmm. uh, but here's a quick question i'm curious about and i think okay. it's probably, i think it's a probably important question uh okay so say you're in the woods and you have to eat a bunch of 
gross plants to survive, is it better to have ketchup, regular mustard, or honey mustard if you can only have one? Oh, damn. Hmm. Um, hmm. Oh, I definitely feel like ketchup. Really? You went with ketchup? Yeah, I feel like... Um, I was going to guess honey mustard. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty good. I'm sure there's some cool stuff you can do with that. Maybe it's like an abrasive or something like that. Oh, that's the stone ground. Yeah, you know, you could use it for some uh, exfoliation of your skin so you can maintain your, your beauty out in the in the woods. Um, no, the ketchup, man, maybe... Uh, who knows? Maybe there's like some weird trick you can use that the sugars and ketchup, you can use it to like ferment some stuff and make a weird batch of kimchi out there or something. Okay. I didn't even think that like that far. I was just, I don't even know like, if that's some, true. I'm just, what are some I'm things just, in the woods? I guess you could, that like, out there. you could probably put ketchup on like, wild mushrooms. Oh yeah, for sure. But once again, I'm, I'm leaning towards honey mustard because I think that if I was going to eat some wild mushrooms and I just had to like smother it with something, I would use honey mustard. Yeah, that's, it seems a little more flavor. wholesome too, doesn't it? I was also thinking that like you could probably make honey mustard in the woods, you know, because if you like found a beehive, then you could get found honey. Some honey. And, and doesn't we found like, some mustards. Yeah, doesn't mustard just grow everywhere? And you can just get a bunch of that. It is. Yeah, it's the super common edible plant. Yeah, up there. Gr- grind it up, smear some honey in it, and you've got <laughs> wilderness homemade honey mustard. <laughs> totally, dude. All right. Uh, well, how about well, this? I'll make a batch and I'll send it to you. You make a batch, send it to me. We'll see who pukes first. All right. <laughs> It'll be good. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to ask you a few more uh, general questions about uh, cool. survivalism before we get into some more you questions. Is that cool? Sure. All right. Uh, here's one that I think I'm, I'm curious about and I think a lot of other people would be as well. Uh, so a Swiss army knife is considered one of the most famous survival tools. Yeah. But the Swiss army is kind of a bullshit army and they didn't fight <laughs> in World War II. So why should I trust their knife to be useful either? Oh, man. Well, I can't speak to the geopolitics side of that. Um, so on a serious note, though, uh, Swiss Army knife, I don't have one. I don't care to have one. They're sometimes useful having around, you know, like uh, opening a bottle of wine or whatever, um, opening a letter. I don't know. Oh, yeah, they do have a corkscrew. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, so as with any multi-tool, like a multi-tool is cool because it has a bunch of different functions, right? But on the other hand, it doesn't do any of those functions particularly well. So... Uh, I don't know. I'd rather just have like a normal knife or a toothpick. I'm not sure. Something like that. So we can go ahead and just say, you heard it here first. A Swiss army knife is about as useful as the Swiss army themselves. Oh, zing zang. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah. If I was Swiss, man, I would totally join the Swiss army. You'd probably get some really cool training. Like rock climbing, you're like skiing, and then you got to like stop and shoot a sniper rifle or something. Do you, do you anyway, know much about Switzerland? And you don't actually have to go to war. How cool would that be? Yeah. Like the, the world is at war, and they're like over there just with their goofy little knives going snowboarding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the gnomes of Zurich in action. Hold up. It's time for an ad from our friends in Switzerland. Hello, cool guys. Do you know what we are thinking is so cool in Switzerland? You're thinking, right, is this Swiss army? We are getting to hang out with our friends, we are getting to carry really cool knives, and we are getting to go skiing in the Swiss Alps. You are not even needing to be a Swiss citizen to be joining the Swiss Army. All you are needing is a great attitude and a wonderful sense of adventure. Ha <laughs> ha! 
So contacting your Swiss Army recruiter today and being all that you can be. All right, that sounds like a great opportunity. Uh, if you're interested in joining the Swiss Army, be sure to contact the Swiss Army Military Recruitment Office. Now back to the interview. All right, uh, I have another question, another Switzerland question. Uh, mm -hmm. So Switzerland is known for creating fine timepieces. But oh, yes. now that watches are only basically just jewelry for men, would you prefer <laughs> as a gift that I got you a fancy watch from Switzerland or a friendship bracelet that I spent a lot of time making? Oh, fancy watch from Switzerland for sure. Oh, No offense. No offense. Okay. Well, then I guess I'll just give this bracelet to someone else. Oh, harsh. <laughs> it's fine. I have My lots of friends. Right now. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> All right, but moving into uh, into you territory. Uh, you territory. Why do you want to be a dude that can grow his own food and can live in the wilderness and can survive? Hmm. Oh man, that's a big question. Um, Rather than being like super good at Halo or Fortnite or something. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love video games too. Um, which actually detracts from my survival skill set. Um, but I want to be a dude who can survive because basically I think like a lot of people have kind of been aware that our society is really a lot more fragile than it would seem. We've grown up accustomed to this sense of normalcy, but it's really not that normal. It's built upon all these life systems that uh, it seems to also be eroding constantly um you know polluting our waters um just destroying mountains for coal overheating the planet etc so it kind of seems like in a lot of ways i mean i hate to be completely cynical but um i would not be shocked if uh this society collapsed there's been um enormous successful civilizations in the past that have overstretched their life support systems and fallen apart and been relegated to the dustbin of history layers in the geological continuum so to speak and uh we might be there someday yeah i think a lot of people would, would agree with you yeah Have you ever seen uh, the, the the tv show that? doomsday preppers um i've caught like snippets of it but not really a little bit it's not good if you're like trying to learn anything i just it's a great show oh, no. uh no i like i just watch it because i love to talk shit <laughs> about the people on the show and go oh, like man. oh look at this fucking idiot that's <laughs> right like, and, I now, and also i bet they're feeling they're feeling really smug right now though so oh hell yes yeah. but it's great like, at the end of every episode <laughs> talking tp for years yeah <laughs> at the end of every episode they have uh people like you like actual experts and they uh, give, they give ratings to these lunatics who think they're doomsday prepping and they're like oh nice and, and these people will be like yeah i spent uh, you know fifty thousand dollars on all this shit to for my prep and then at the end right. they're like okay after all, all of this shit and our experts uh, you've got two weeks initial survival time <laughs> it's, <laughs> Damn. it's actually it's not yeah. i don't know if, if it's meant to be as funny as it is sure, sure. <laughs> right so uh, i come from a school of thought where like real survival isn't based on acquiring a bunch of materials and supplies like sure super helpful right? Like a good jacket, good pair of boots, good sleeping bag, like all of that stuff is really critical. But um, it's all about, for me, it's all about building skills 
it's all about building confidence in yourself and not overconfidence, but confidence and uh, confidence through, it's interesting though. It's like, it's through the skills, but it's also through a relationship with nature. So me just saying that right there is letting you know that if it had to be between like the military kind of vibe for survival or like the hippie kind of vibe for survival, I'm definitely more on the hippie kind of vibe for survival. Um, so yeah, as I told you before, like when we were just chatting the other day, you know, I think of survival as you're escaping to the wilderness, not escaping from the wilderness. Like granted, there might be some situations where you have to get the hell out of Dodge or get the hell out of your wilderness survival situation and back to people. I've been there myself, but, um, just like big picture, long term, like the civilization is pretty fragile, man. And, um, it has, I mean, some would say it's even broken and it's overstretched and it's racking up a huge tab. And I think what's going to see us through is community and earth skills. Really? That's what it is. It's like the, there's that whole thing. Like if you, uh, if you give a dude a fish, he gets to eat. Then if you teach him to fish, he can feed himself oh, on yeah, a grander sure. scale. Yours is like, uh, you could hoard a bunch of beans in your basement <laughs> and that could keep you alive for possibly a year. Or uh-huh. you could learn how to grow and cultivate a bean farm and rebuild oh, civilization. Yes. Oh yeah. There you go. There you go. Somewhere in the same realm. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Yeah. So I don't know, man. I just, I, I've been engaging in farming and survival skill stuff really just because it feels like a tangible way to bring power into my life in a system and in a world where I otherwise feel often very powerless and hopeless. So, um, honestly, like if you're feeling despair right now, or any of the listeners today or in the future feeling like despair, try to build a skill, build some knowledge and start small, like get to know one plant in your backyard or in your neighborhood that might be edible. Research it, see what's up. Hey, uh, weren't you saying the dandelions are edible? Yeah, they are. That's, um, that's everywhere. You could, can you just like straight up just eat them right off the ground? Uh, yes and no. I think use your best judgment, right? Like if those dandelions are in some super toxic spot, maybe don't mess with that because okay. I'm not sure how much it might accumulate some of those chemicals or heavy metals or something like that. I'm not sure if a lot of research has been done on that, but just kind of generally, right? Like you probably don't want your food next to like some toxic dump, right? So, um, I mean, just think about it. Uh, use your intuition. Um, also, you probably don't want to eat a ton of dandelions because, like, uh, isn't dandelion tea made to uh, make you shit a bunch? <laughs> like, isn't it like an alternative to taking like uh, laxatives? Uh, laxatives? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, shit, man. So that's a I mean, lot if, in my knowledge right now. I'm not if sure. If the tea I've makes you had shit, then... <laughs> you're like i know that like uh in i've never been grocery stores i know that in specialty grocery stores they uh they sell huge bunches of it for like you know three bucks or whatever um it's like a fancy it's a fancy bitter green in some circles especially french cuisine and whatnot oh, and it just cool. grows all the fucking all over the place it's crazy 
Hold up, it's time for an ad. Here's a cool new movie coming out this summer. It's a film about World War II that is based on true events. Let's check it out. General, we just found out that three brothers died in Normandy. Their mother is going to be receiving all three telegrams today. But there's a fourth brother. He's the youngest one. He parachuted into Normandy with the 101st Airborne. We have to save him. You're right. We have to save him. Is Switzerland helping? No, sir. Switzerland isn't doing shit. I'm so sorry, ma'am. Three of your sons are dead, but we're going to try to save your fourth son. Oh, thank you. Please bring home my boy. Is Switzerland gonna help? There's a private that lost three brothers in Normandy, and he's got a ticket home. I'm taking a squad in to save him. With all due respect, sir, this entire mission is a serious misallocation of valuable military resources. We're going to risk the lives of the eight of us to save one guy? Why can't Switzerland send a squad? They haven't done shit this whole war. Why me? Why do I get to go home? What am I supposed to tell your mother? Tell her that I was here with the only brothers that I have left, fighting for freedom. Not like those Swiss soldiers who never do shit to help. Coming this summer. Saving Private Jeffy. Rated R. Well, uh, that seems like a really cool and a really accurate movie about World War II. I can't wait to see it, and I hope you guys do too. Now back to the interview. Do you have a story about a time that you were in the wilderness and almost didn't survive? Yes, I do. Um, those are fun stories for sure. I don't have a ton of them to be honest with you, but, uh, yeah, I've got a really good one. So last year, I believe January, maybe fourth or something, my, uh, girlfriend and I went out to death Valley, which is about a eight hour drive from us. And we went on a, what we thought was, you know, a two day or two night backpacking trip and she had done some research ahead of time um this is basically a trip that she had planned and there's this route that sends you you know it's probably all together about 25 miles or something not that crazy from like leaving the car to when you get back to the car and there's a couple stops in between there's a spring um at some point so night one we're just like or day one we're cruising out we've got all our stuff you know we have we have enough planned we have enough meal um like food for um for two nights basically two days um so two breakfast lunch dinner and day one we're just cruising out and you know like constantly uphill and probably whining like every five minutes like uh, uh hiking yeah uh. um and we get to uh oh man one of the most epic things was there was a uh, there's some wild horses out there because um it's kind oh, of cool. on the border of nevada and there's like a lot of wild horse herds um that I've, cruise I've around. never seen a wild horse i don't think yeah it was pretty epic it was almost like i don't know yeah from like i hate to say it but like some disney movie or something like they just like <laughs> emerged over the hillside and like the sun was behind them like glistening and the mane was just like blowing in the wind but um yeah so anyway cruising on we went went past the horses got to uh this place called um I think it was Cottonwood Spring or something. But yeah, right there in the middle of Death Valley, which is 
no, it's actually on the edge of Death Valley. But um, it's crazy because all around there, like the whole hike all day long, like barely saw a plant, you know. And then you get to this spring and it's just like boom, all this life bursting. Really cool. Was able to identify numerous plants. Stayed the night, super chill. Um, the next morning, we had a water filter with us, so we kind of like refilled our water bags and all that. And then the next day was a pretty long hike. There was a few points where we were a little disoriented in terms of like if whether or not we were actually on the route, and we were after some decisions. And we kept going. Um, beautiful, beautiful landscape, like this kind of secret valley way up there. And so we get up and over the next day, up and over this um, saddleback, this little pass. And um, Laura's like, okay, so our next navigation point is a little bit, a little bit vague, but um, I think we can find it. And she kind of like, from her online research, had done some drawings and taken some notes and stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. But we start hiking and... Um, we're following this watershed, like this drainage, basically from where the water collects and starts uh, dipping down, going down the landscape. And I just get like, honestly, I just get really excited. And I'm like, oh, this is absolutely beautiful. It like starts turning into uh, these like marble canyons. And I feel like I'm just like witnessing the, the, the primordial origins of earth or something, you know, like rock and fire and and water just like swirling together beautiful marble slot canyons as it starts to become have you ever been in a slot canyon before i don't know what a slot canyon is okay so a slot <laughs> canyon from my understanding um is when uh it's usually occurs in like desert environments but it's um it's basically a really narrow sometimes very uh tall and very steep um canyon system right so like you see these pictures of like people out in utah or something like that where they're like it's just like the length like their body it's like body width and you look up and like the sky is like way above you and it's just like towers of rock on either side or walls of rock anyway so it's not quite that but it's starting to become that and what it was was like uh you you're just like walking down basically like a dry creek bed right and then you kind of have to like climb down a little bit and then you go a little bit more and you have to climb down a little bit more. And then, but the climb downs every time get a little bit steeper. It's like, it's like a couple feet at first. And then it's like five feet and then maybe eight feet. And then there's one that's like 10. And then we start, and then there's like a 15 and we're like, okay, that's a little sketch. Start climbing down. Cause there's not tons of handholds. And, um, and then we get to one that's like pretty, yeah, there was one that's like 20 and I'm like, oh my God, like looking down, like this is kind of nuts. And at this point, this is uh, let's see, we had been out for two nights and this is day three, right? And we're just following this drainage down because I'm absolutely convinced that this is the way. And um, I was, turns out that I was totally wrong. Um, so at one point we're like climbing down the slot Canyon or trying to, um, I get scared, dude. I'm like looking down this thing. It's like 20 feet down. There's barely any handholds. Like I'm looking and like, I start to make a couple moves, rock climbing moves. And I'm like, uh, I don't know if I can do this. And I back off my heart pounding. And it isn't the idea over. too, that this is a, you're creating a situation where you can climb 
in, but you can't climb out. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't even, yeah. And we were aware of that then also is like, we don't want to go down if we can't make sure we can get back. Cause as of right now, like where we're at in the story is at any point we could at least, if nothing else, just retrace our steps. Even if we were like terribly lost from where we wanted to go. Right. And like I said, it's only a two night trip and 25 miles or so. So really it's like a really long day hike back or a couple days or something. But um, this is day three, right? And we had only enough food for two nights and like breakfast on day three. So we were basically out of food at this point. Our water, because there was only the spring on in the first day, um, our water was getting low because we expected to be back basically by the time we're going through all this slot canyon stuff. So we're super disoriented. I'm like getting scared, trying to climb down. Laura does some crazy cliffhanger stuff where she's like, I'm going to try to scout it out. And she goes like high up on the, <laughs> on the ledge on the right, instead of like going down the slot, which is cool. But at the same time, she's like barely, you know, it's like half of her foot is on this rock ledge that looks like it's like 30 feet drop from there. And like, I'm super nervous for her. I'm like, Oh God, like if she like falls, I'm going to have to like, what do what i don't know like there's no cell reception there's nothing i don't have one of those satellite beacon things or whatever um which is funny because like actually when we first arrived it was there was some dude in the parking lot that was like hey if you guys get lost i've got a gps or whatever I can get you rescued and we're like whatever bro we're mapping compass you suck yeah and uh he, he, we named him misogyny Mike later because he would only talk to me. He wouldn't like talk to Laura. <laughs> funny because she was the trip planner. Anyway. Um, you know, it's what, uh, I don't know, not to interrupt, but I actually just the other day oh, yeah. I, I was on a trail and there was a couple uh, mm-hmm. and they were lost, but it was like, it was a trail that it was really silly to be lost on because it yeah. essentially was a circle, but it has, I mean, there was multiple different ways you could exit the trail. Uh-huh. And uh, that was one of the things where I was like, it was a, it was a man and a woman and I didn't want to like be talking specifically to the man, uh-huh. you know, just like, cause I know that's just fucking rude. But also yep. I, after talking to them for a minute, like I couldn't, I was trying to decide which one of them was like <laughs> the least stupid. Like, <laughs> cause uh-huh. like I was like, okay, well at this point, cause I was, you know, at first I was talking to the, uh, to the wife or whatever. And I was like, okay, you know, blah, 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 blah. And she didn't seem to be understanding anything I was saying. So then I started trying to talk to the, husband <laughs> and i was like okay well maybe this guy will get it but then it turned uh-huh. out uh he was he was a uh, russian and didn't speak english super well oh, and shit. he wasn't understanding me either so then i was just doing this weird uh back and forth eye contact and i was just like hoping that they would eventually <laughs> understand me i was like i was like okay uh-huh. you need to cross three bridges or uh, uh, and when you get to the third one that's where you want to be because i knew exactly where they wanted to go uh-huh. and i was like i was like it's really easy you know, go straight, cross three bridges, get off this trail, and you're fine. Nice. Uh, but I, you just made me think of that, like, because it's a thing that hop- happens in my head. Because I've I've seen that before, where I've when you, I've been in a situation where uh, you ask somebody for advice, and it's a dude, and like they just completely won't look at your girlfriend because they they won't understand directions or <laughs> like, like <laughs> or whatever bullshit. Misogyny, yeah. Mike is a real dude, man. I know <laughs> he's yeah, really out there and I, I try, is. I consciously yeah. try not to be him. So like a lot of times I'll, I'll be in this situation and I'll just talk to the woman. But my my <laughs> last great. experience People with it, I was, like, I was like, neither one of you can understand what I'm saying. Like right. <laughs> you're going to be lost out here. I don't know. 
<laughs> is it possible, Doug, that they weren't Russian? They were just on mushrooms, dude. No, they well, were just in the middle of a weird trip. Anyway. Uh, yeah, except for the the Russian accent was only affecting the the man. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the woman was on a trip where she didn't understand uh, basic directions, and then the man was on some kind of trip where he didn't understand English. Uh huh. So they were on some wild shrooms, man. Nice. Sorry, yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> and back into the slot canyon. And At back this point, into the slot Ramsey canyon. is almost going to die. Oh, yes. So, uh, oh, this was interesting. So, at one point, uh, basically, where we are in the story, right? Laura's kind of up on this ledge, but then she's scouting it out. She's starting to come back. I forgot to mention that on this ledge, this particular, you know, before it jumps down again, there was a, um, a bunch of rocks had been arranged in such a way as to make a big giant x and i was like x whatever <laughs> what, is even that? what does that even mean <laughs> and so we uh but we so she comes back she's like it's it's pretty steep but um we we end up going down that one still because we're confident that we can still get back but as soon as we get down that's like i look back up and i'm like oh that's probably what they meant by the x like it's actually pretty tricky to get back out of there and we walked forward like just around the bend. The next slot down was no joke, like 40 feet of just like straight drop, not a single handhold. It's like polished marble. <laughs> um, and there's like a there's like a little there's like a rock climbing anchor point, like like pounded into the wall right there. I forget what those things are called, but like you can clip onto it or whatever, run a rope through it. Yeah. So I was like, damn, uh, did your internet research like tell you that we had to bring like repelling gear or some shit? And she was like, no, we're definitely off the track. Like this is not where we're supposed to be. And we're like, fuck, we're deep in this Canyon out of food, basically almost out of water. And so this is the moment. And this is, I think like kind of the crux of the life or death situation. Cause remember, like we can always find our way back. Right. But we're like kind of short on supplies, but here's the thing is like, this is the moment when, I noticed panic start to set in like, Oh fuck. Like the gravity of that moment. We're lost. We're down here. Blah, blah, blah. We don't know where we're going. Show no supplies. This is when like, if we let panic like take over, we'd be blaming each other. We'd be like, Oh fuck it. I'm going to go down anyway. Like not thinking rationally. Like, no, it's still, we're not, we're not lost. Like, I'm absolutely certain. I'm the survival expert. I know what the fuck I'm talking about, right? Like, yeah. we're going dead. Like, I'm the man. Whatever it is, right? Whatever your bullshit is. Like, no. Don't be stupid. Chill out. Relax. And also, like, that was the time, like, I turned to her. We looked in each other's eyes. And I was like, hey, are you good? Let's take a deep breath. Like, and she was good. She was right there with me. And it was like, she could have blamed me for being so... I'll say excited about exploring this kind of like Canyon zone that um, I kind of like steered her off of the path that she had done her research on. Right. Like if I had given her more moments to be like, Oh, maybe that's it. Or maybe that's it. But I was like, absolutely. I thought I was convinced that just following the path of the water was going to be like, come on, babe, let's go in this death trap. Yeah, it's going to be sweet. <laughs> Come on, totally. babe. Don't be scared. Yeah. It's just a death trap. <laughs> <laughs> For real. But yeah, no. So it was, it was like a really cool moment, though. And, and really, yeah, just really powerful. Just like, 
we could be freaking out and blaming each other and like being like, okay, fuck it. You go that way. I'll go that way. Like making a bunch of bad decisions. We could have done that and we didn't, we stayed grounded. We stayed connected and it was like, okay, what's the best plan of action? Well, let's backtrack. Let's climb the fuck out of here. Um, and we both had fairly heavy backpacks. So it's like somebody climbs up and then you got to like hand your backpack up to them. Uh, imagine like climbing up this thing by myself with my backpack on like that's it but then what did we do we backtracked for a while maybe like an hour later we looked at some you know the kind of canyon leveled out again to basically just dry creek bed and there's all these uh tall kind of like hills or mountains or whatever so we see a peak and we just like we're like fuck it let's just like get to the top of that peak and get a bird's eye view of what's going on or maybe some cell reception see what's cracking so we get to the top of the peak and sure enough like on the other side of the peak we see the trail that we had taken on the way in on day one leading up towards that cottonwood spring area so we're like well fuck it let's just bomb down get to that road and um and then just hike back out the way we came. And so that's what we did. And we got back to the car after dark. Well, I'm glad you didn't pretty... die, man. Hey, thanks, brother. <laughs> thanks, brother. So I guess like I mean, a, I good, a, a really good takeaway is uh, don't panic. Don't get into a fight with your girlfriend yeah, or totally. whoever you're with and try to cooperate yeah. or else you'll be super screwed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stay oriented. Like also like, like be open-minded to like, what if this isn't the way? Like checking your route as you go right yeah. like i got I so like tunnel vision is a thing right like you just you focus on this thing no this is it this has got to be the way well what if it's not like i think that's anyway. a major issue with a lot of people is they get married to their own bad idea and oh yeah digging themselves a deeper deeper hole hold up it's time to reach into the mailbag and see what kind of new messages we got this week every week we check the mailbag to see if anyone has written into the show and we read the letter out loud this message comes from Nadia Stanges via Instagram Messenger. Nadia says, Hello, I await you here. Okay. And it came with a picture of a butt. I can't tell if it's a woman butt or a man butt. But either way, thanks for writing into the show, Nadia. Now back to the interview. All right, man. I just wanted to get on uh, something that we had talked about briefly before we did this interview. And it was just... Uh, Want to know what some of your early inspirations or motivations to head down the path that you're on now? So, what got you into sustainability, uh, oh, nice. agri- agriculture? You know, because when I first met you, you were skating and kind of doing this, you know, yeah, more like city boy shit. And now you're, uh, out yeah, here doing, yeah, doing, yeah. Uh, what you're doing now. So, no, uh, what sure. are some of the things that inspired you to, you know, take this uh, turn and kind of like live this new kind of life? Yeah, no problem. Um, so, when I was in college, I did a lot of research on various social movements, um, resistance movements, et cetera. And kind of because of my love of hip hop and early inspiration from uh, dead Prez, actually, did you ever listen I to love that dead album? Prez, Let's man. get free. Yeah. I had Let's yeah, get free. Sure. I had uh, turn off the radio volume one. Nice too. Remember when we were in AmeriCorps and we were on the um, ultimate Frisbee team, it's like, <laughs> It was like the the deadbeats ultimate frisbee team or whatever. Yeah. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> but like you were like, no, this should be like it's bigger than hip hop. The remix, it's got to be our theme song. I was like, yeah, dude. <laughs> we can like really walk out of the a, field all slow. I will. It was the first time I've ever been the captain of a frisbee 
uh, what is it? Ultimate Frisbee team. Actually, <laughs> what is that? It, well, I was the, I was the one that made that yeah. team. I was a captain, and right. I picked all the, all the teammates, and then like nice, and I picked everybody like, based on people that I got along with, not on people that right. play that fucking game. And oh yeah, I've only played Ultimate Frisbee that one time. I played it that day, <laughs> and I've never played that game nice. since. I played the game in that Sweet. one tournament, and then I was like, yeah, that fucking sucked. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, no, no, uh, no offense to people that like that game. It was a fun game, but like, oh no, it was fun. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But it did suck in that, like, the other teams were all super athletic and, uh, really and like into hella it. into f- ultimate frisbee. Like, they had, had apparently everybody else had been playing ultimate frisbee for years and were like, <laughs> and our team yeah, was like, spanked, dude. <laughs> we had like, we had one dude, uh, we had Camuel and he was like a really, he was really tall and he was a good basketball player. And the uh, one thing he was, I remember he, he was really good at like just jumping in the air and just grabbing, like dunking the frisbee out of the air. Like that was his move. Oh yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was sick. Macking it down. But then like <laughs> a bunch of other shit. Like I kept breaking rules and not knowing that I was doing it and like making yeah. all these uh, dorks mad. Oh yeah, like, <laughs> pissing people off. So after that, I was like, yeah, uh, I don't think I like that game. <laughs> right. Th- that was a nice little segue. Thank you. Um, Sorry. Where? Oh yeah. Uh, inspirations. Dead Prez. Boom. Okay. So Dead Prez in their songs, they talk a lot about the Zapatistas as well as the Black Panthers, right? Yeah. And those social movements I was really interested in as kind of prominent uh, faces of resistance to the the modern the modern U.S. and and like kind of global economy sort of scene. But they had a lot of things in common, which I think is really cool and. Um, one of the things that they had in common was this sense of um, you need to you need to have you need to build up your autonomy from the system if you are to effectively resist that system in any way, right? So, like the Zapatistas were all about resilience and autonomy through farming and uh, traditional ecological knowledge, um, and the Black Panthers like their big thing was like community resilience. You know, we've been doing this shit for a long time. Um, we need survival prep programs. Um, we need to feed the people. We need to help organize like clothing situations. We need to, um, band together for, um, resisting like evictions and, um, police brutality and all of that stuff. Um, so I found that really inspiring the autonomy, the survival program stuff, um and both and i guess just like this isn't this part isn't necessarily like my whole vibe but um the way that they they organize around resistance right like both of them have a a militancy aspect to it that's like very grounded in direct direct skill building direct movement building direct action um but also education right each one teach one was one of the slogans of yeah the panthers um so yeah, just like drawing inspiration and be like, man, how can I actually be in resistance? Like, yes, I recognize that our society is ultimately unsustainable. And what does that mean? It will eventually like hit a wall and either it will adapt very quickly to that wall or it will continue to hurl itself in the direction it's been going. And um, so I've kind of wanted to build some some tangible direct action skills to provide for the means of life to some degree for human and 
biological life. Um, and that for me is a form of activism. Um, and it shouldn't stop there. It shouldn't stop there, but you know, so yeah, it's all, it's all connected. Like what I want to do with my time, like what I do for work, what I, um, yeah, my political philosophy, all of that stuff. Um, and I think there's, you know, there's spiritual components to all of that too. So we are getting, uh, closer to the end here and I, people should know people that live in cities. I live in an urban environment and if there was an interruption in the food supply, uh, are there any edible plants that go around cities? And also how could I get clean drinking water in that situation? You know, myself, uh, sustained. Sure. Um, so edible plants are one food source. Another food source, I honestly, um, trapping or hunting, things like squirrels or pigeons i know that sounds weird but actually my last guess was a hunter that oh was cool thinking about squirrels <laughs> oh sweet nice i've never hunted or successfully trapped so there's that um but i practice it a whole bunch my whole thing is trying not not necessarily trying to take the life until i really need it but um plants so check it um common plants that might be i mean i'm on the west coast i've been in the mountains for a long time um might be kind of a different scene than what you guys have out there but trying to identify some of the more like continent wide turtle island wide plants that we might be able to find um stinging nettles have you ever seen those do you have those out there yeah we've got nettles sweet yeah those are awesome those are really good um and those are probably all, all around North America for sure, right? Yeah, you can do all sorts of stuff with that stuff. Um, it's really, really good. It's like good. I mean, you can make medical tinctures. You can basically, you can eat it raw. You can cook it. You can do all sorts of stuff. And also the dried stalks become really useful. You can, um, depending on the certain qualities um, in terms of like climate and the weather patterns, but uh the fibers in those long stalks. Have you ever tried to like rip one out of the ground? It's really hard. Um, there's like long, basically hairs or fibers inside of the plant stalk that you can use to make string and stuff. Oh, cool. Um, for, for your traps to get your so squirrels or whatever. It's more than yeah. just food. It's like a multi. So yeah, totally. So definitely. Um, if you're out there listening, check out, uh, just go online, find out what stinging nettles look like so you can identify them in the wild. For sure, for sure. Uh, Cattail is one of the most universal and um, edible plants out there. So cattail. Uh, for sure. I don't. I don't. Eat. I know what that is. Is either. So that's definitely another one to look up and see what the see what you it looks like. Don't know what a cattail is, or you do? I don't. You don't? Huh? Okay. So they grow in lowlands. They grow around water. You're really surprised at Tennessee that you haven't seen much in Nashville. I mean, there uh, could totally be, they could be all, I don't know the name of almost any plant that I see ever. I see. <laughs> and as a matter okay. of fact, my house is full of plants and I can name that one of, <laughs> one of them is a fern. Right. I don't know what any of the other, other plants are. Okay. I've got, so like, cattail is a really good plant. What else? <laughs> There's like curly dock, mustard, mustards grow all over the place. There's tons of different species and that whole family is edible. It's really good. Um, watercress is another, it has kind of like a mustardy smell. It usually grows in creeks as it, as the name suggests, watercraft, watercress. Um, I mean, historically, do you guys have any oaks in Tennessee? Probably not. I don't know. 
Okay. Yeah. So Oak Tree, I'm, right? I'm really, California, really, like we're on the, like the part of the conversation that I'm so ignorant about that. Nice. I'm not gonna be able to probably, if you go like, do you guys sure. have, I'll be like, we got trees for sure. Yeah. 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 Do you have trees and grass? Cool. Yes. I can identify both trees and grass very easily. Nice. Can you identify a pine tree from something that's. Yes. I can definitely, uh, identify a pine tree from a non pine tree. Cool. So, so pine is a pretty good edible tree. Um, really? cool. The pollen is pretty awesome, actually. It's really nutrient-dense and stuff. Um, you can only collect it for like a couple weeks out of the year, really. Um, it's usually like spring, maybe even right now. It might be, I mean, depends on what the weather's been like. Pine nuts are awesome. If you've even heard, I haven't done this yet, but you can eat the, the inner bark of a pine tree. Um, can be boiled almost like noodles or something like that comes off in these strips can you eat a pine cone can you eat a pine cone um maybe or i mean like really, sure you really... can should you eat a pine cone? <laughs> yeah i think i think i'd probably be good off that um more trouble than it's worth really okay. yeah so there's some food stuff i mean really like honestly like a lot of common weeds plantain dandelion are um edible they're edible plants so like just like as you cruise around your neighborhood, be like, oh, here's like, you know, what plants are taking over in a certain spot, right? Like if there's an abandoned city lot or something, a lot of times like those plants, like there's like really good medicine and food and possibly some tools like friction fire stuff or cordage, right? Making string, maybe like trap parts, whatever. So um, definitely uh, in, in an urban environment, you could, you could get out and you could get uh enough plants to make a little like wild plant salad and then for me i put honey mustard on mine you'd have to put ketchup on yours but still Ooh. yeah either way, right? salad the mustard actually sounds really good that's what i was saying man honey mustard all the way i, I think yeah. i, I might have been better on, uh, on that question i think you might have <laughs> been too yeah the survival experts probably would have ranked you way higher yeah, dude, i get one. i have one week survival time already yeah boy <laughs> strictly from that honey mustard son uh, but um, also, uh, equally water, water. Yeah. Water. Yeah. Let's talk about water. Okay. So the, um, three main contaminants, generally speaking of water are chemical, biological and sediment, sedimentary, right? Yeah. So there's kind of three different solutions for those three different problems. All right. And they're all kind of tricky. Um, so for sediment, which might be the easiest, right, is like, let's just assume that you're like, okay, this water is clean of everything except some sediment. So I just need to filter it out. Cool. Maybe you could do that through a t-shirt and that would get some stuff, right? It wouldn't get like tiny, tiny, tiny little particulate matter. But if we're just talking sediment, maybe that's not a big deal. All right. So then biological, biology, <laughs> like what's going on? You got your GRD and stuff, like things that could like give you the shits and it could be terrible. Um, so the way to deal with that is to boil it. Like right now, today, there's probably at least a billion people boiling water in order to drink it. It's a very common practice. A lot of places we're really fortunate that so far we haven't had to do that. It's just part of our daily routine in order yeah. to have drinking water. Well, you would say um, there's a billion people worldwide right now that have to boil their water to have clean drinking water? Yeah, at least. At least. That's nuts, man. Yeah, totally. Um, and then the other one would be chemical, right? So there's sediment, biology, chemicals. 
chemicals are really, really tough, right? I wouldn't want to fuck with that water, but here's the thing that you could do. Uh, do you know anything about distilling? I do. In the South, like you can make some, you know how to make like moonshine and shit, right? I do. All right. That's awesome. So there you go. Take some shitty ass water, put it in your distill machine, whatever you do. <laughs> and yeah. uh and capture that <laughs> capture that vapor yeah. and uh there you go something like that that's the basically the gist but really it's um i mean ideally you want the cleanest water source you can find if it's like you know generally higher elevation is better because lower elevation is like all water wants to like sink down 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 and wants to follow gravity right so if you go to like lowest some of those like lower points in your area, like those ponds that just collect a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, it's going to be taking pollution from the surface, um, pollution from the air, from the ground. Um, and, and it's going to be easier probably too, if, if you can find moving water as opposed to uh, yes. still water. Hey, that's a good one, man, for sure. I don't know if I was even going to say that. Um, yeah, the moving, for sure. Um, if you can... Like if you find that moving water, you can always follow it upstream as far as you're willing to go. Maybe there's a spring popping off um, where it's the groundwater meets the surface and it's really just coming out of the ground. That's ideal. You can dig into that a little bit. Um, you can lay a stick out or a stone in such a way as to kind of help funnel that water um, into whatever your water bottle or your mouth or something like that. But boiling, capturing water. I think like if you could set up like a rainwater catchment system, when is your rainy system, uh, season in Tennessee? It rains all year long here. Okay, cool. That's <laughs> awesome. So you guys have like green plants. You're not like afraid of wildfire and you have access to rainwater. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, some sort of rainwater system would be awesome right with that one you mm, might have to do a little research on like how chemicals might affect rain uh, yeah. or rainwater i'm not totally sure actually but you could filter it you could boil it and that would be a pretty good source of water but also think about all the places right now from your household on up the water supply system where water is held right yeah. so you have you probably have like a hot water tank that right there is probably like 40 gallons of water. And then you have a toilet tank, right? Not yeah. the bowl, but the tank itself, right? So like that is a few gallons of water. Like it's not, the, it wouldn't be the, the awesomest, right? Yeah. But it's not like shit water. It'd keep you alive. Right? Yeah. yeah, it would keep you alive for sure. And then like, what else? Um, I mean, I know... Like in New York City, right? They have all these tall buildings, so they have these huge water tanks on top of the building, which is pretty cool. And I don't know if you can like walk up there and access it if there's like a little spigot that you can just open up. I well, hey man, it's if there's no law, dude, I'm getting in that water tank, dude. Yeah, <laughs> having a pool party up there, son. All right, man, we are coming to the end of our time, but at the end of every episode, there's a lightning round. So I've just lightning round. A few questions. Don't don't take any time to think, man. You just have to answer okay. off the top of your head. But don't worry. Most of these, uh, they're actually almost all multiple choice. So really just shoot out the answer. Okay. And are you ready for a lightning round? <laughs> yeah. All right. Wilderness Survival Guide, Ramsey Demitter on lightning round. 
Which is better, Swiss cheese or American cheese? Swiss cheese. Would you rather have an offshore bank account in a Swiss bank or in the Cayman Islands? Cayman Islands. Would you rather go snowboarding in the Swiss Alps or in America? America. Which do you prefer, Swiss chocolate or American chocolate? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Fancy-ass Brooklyn American chocolate. All right. Spell the word Switzerland. S-W-I-S-S-Z-Z-E-R-L-A. U N D. Close enough. You are our winner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ramsey man. Thank you so much for coming on. My views are my own. It's been a great talking to you, dude. Indeed, Doug. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, man. All right. I'm gonna play us out with a track by Bill Mitchell. Thanks for listening.